So what was the title? Um, who, I, who, what? No, that's wrong. Why, what, who? That's correct. Is that right? So the idea with this, uh, these three questions is to <clears throat> help uh, help us all further understand the way in which we, uh, anytime any issue comes up, we tend to go into some kind of uh, circularity about it rather than actually go into what it is to actually look at it directly uh, without being caught by the various hooks and glue and Velcro of our preconceptions, our ideas and our opinions. And then there's all other kinds of words that point to that. So the first one is uh, we always, uh, it's kind of the default question. Why am I feeling this way? Why is this happening to me? Why, 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 why? And we, there will always be some kind of a because, and it will come back and it will kind of, it'll satisfy that just for uh, the 30th of a second. And then we're on to another, well, why is that? And then why is that? Because, why, because, why, because. It's not that the why question isn't valid. Of course it's valid. When something happens, we want to know why. Uh, the issue seems to be the getting trapped in the circularity of the, the call and response. Why? Because. Why? Because. Why? Because. So, <coughs> pardon me. <coughs> so as soon as you can, ask why, but as soon as you can, move into what does that? Move into what? what is that? What's the fundamental situation? I'm always saying to people, often saying to people, I'm saying now, uh, when anything that occurs to you, ask, if you want to ask something, ask, what is that? So that you don't immediately abandon that for a because. Because because will take you, because the ego mind, the self-centered the mind, mind, the mind that is behind all of these nerve endings, uh, doesn't want to feel bad. And will we'll settle for uh, temporary uh, solutions. So again, no, no, no problem with, uh, with asking why. It's just the idea of getting caught in it. I just found a rainbow in my pocket. That's really an unusual place for a rainbow. <laughs> Put that there. <laughs> I know who did it. Mayun. Mayun put it there from France. So, <coughs> pardon the true clarity. <coughs> So the why question is very, it's good. This is what the Buddha did. He saw sickness, aging, and death. He came outside of his castle or palace, as the uh, tradition has it, and sees uh, someone who's very ill, sees someone who is uh, uh, who's very, very old, and sees uh, a corpse. And then, so he, why, why, is there, why is there difficulty? Why is there suffering? Why is it? Why is that happening? So he asked that question, and then, and this, of course, much to the, uh, disappointment of his dad, as the story goes. So he, instead of becoming the prince and inheriting the kingdom and becoming uh, the, the king, eventually being a prince and then being a king, the story has it that he went off into the forest and and met up with a bunch of other, uh, they were called in those days, called Pari Rajikas, Pari Rajikas, uh, searchers or wanderers who were looking. And in uh, ancient India, the atmosphere there for that kind of, uh, uh, pardon me, <clears throat> using your life in that way to rather go into some kind of a, um, being a warrior or being a, a merchant or something. That was a, a valid approach to 
take up the spiritual path was supported in ancient India by the Hindu uh, situation, which is Hindus, all kinds of variations on that. There's no one particular situation. Uh, there are Hindus or even atheists. So all kinds of ways of approaching that. And then the, the Jains who had been around at that time for a couple hundred years, and uh, which was a very, very disciplined group. And, um, but the Buddha asked, uh, going out and searching for, uh, as the story goes, six years, and then had a realization of what this was. And he, uh, he shared it with uh, the, the other guys who were running around in circles. His, I sometimes refer to them as his homies, homeboys. No disrespect. They just saw light coming out of them. Image probably wasn't much light, it was just probably uh, um, something else. So he asked the, the question, the why question, why is this happening? And he discovered uh, that life is suffering, and the reason that there is uh, suffering is we want some want things to be different than they are out of desire. We want something else, something else, something else. We're not okay with whatever is happening, and of course, we experience that all the time. So the, that why question is, is valid. It's just that once you see that, then, then it seems to be necessary to say, well, uh, this is caused by desire. Well, how does that come about? Why is that happening? And then we have uh, the 12 links in the chain of existence, which as the story has it, he actually looks at sickness, aging, and death, uh, Jara Marana is the Sanskrit, and, uh, and then back and traces that back to, well, there's birth, and then before that, there's becoming, and before that, there's um, a grasping, and before that, there's a, there's a desire, and in that area, it gets a little bit vague, and there's different ways of, uh, of talking about that teaching, uh, but uh, it goes back through uh, feelings, which don't have a, a positive or negative, and then back to contact, and then back to uh, <coughs> name and form, the, the, the uh, skandhas. And then on back uh, to uh, consciousness and samskaras or formations and to uh, uh, avidya or maripa, just a fundamental shutting down or closing off. So he, he took it back that in that way. As the story goes, we don't know. He might have skipped one of them. There might be one that he saw that has never been taught that we don't know about. Or that might be all incorrect. So don't believe anything. Don't believe anything I say. Don't believe anything, but don't look away from it. Actually, you, you need to look yourself if you're listening to me, uh, which you apparently are, then you need to see it yourself. It's not something that you can particularly join. Even the Sangha is not a club. So why? Because we want something else. And then the next one is uh, what? What is that? What? So that's part of what these... Uh, these uh, links on the chain of existence or the nadanas, uh, uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's the, the response to what is this? It's just a huge structure of cause and effect, cause and effect of uh, dependent origination, that anything that shows up as somebody or something, some person, is dependent on a whole lot of other things for having this apparent individuality or identity. And then what do we do with that? Because of the nerve endings, uh, positive, negative, neutral, we tend to build up our own idea and we get reinforced by others. We chat with others about how we're feeling, how you're feeling, how, what do you think about what I'm thinking about, what you're thinking. 
And it just becomes a huge uh, labyrinth of, of culture, society, beliefs, religion, and uh, more ignoring, more circularity, which causes more and more and more. And if we were going to live forever, uh, probably wouldn't have to meditate at all. After uh, sometimes after about three or four hundred years, you finally start to grow up and start stop objecting to everything or, or agreeing agreeing with everything. That's also a misunderstanding. You don't need to take a position on anything. You might need to do that for a while, but eventually this is part of why the ego mind starts to get worried or afraid and starts to look for something else. Uh, I need something else. I don't know if I want to look, I don't know if I want to go this far into this. I'd rather go a little bit so I'm more peaceful, but then I want to kind of still have ice cream, have do, uh, do things that are enjoyable. Buddhism is too negative, nihilistic, not nihilistic. Uh, nihilism is a position on an assumption about an understanding that is untrue. Find out yourself. Don't believe a word I say. Don't look away from it. Don't believe it. Don't accept it. Don't reject it. Don't do anything with it. Where does that leave you? I don't know. So why? And then what? What is this? It's confusion. So rather than abandon the confusion for why it was a cause, you're, you're going to get an answer. We always do. This is how our whole society works. Right and wrong. Why? Because. Why? Because. This is right. This is wrong. Constantly divide, divide, divide. And want to control, control. Little tiny specks. Uh, uh, little tiny specks called me. Wants to control. And sometimes those specks get the illusion through uh, the apparent uh, collaboration of other little specks. Uh, you have a whole country, a whole kingdom, a whole dictatorship or whatever, maybe. So temporary. What isn't temporary? Find out. Find out. I can't tell you, but find out. Look at it. How do you do that? Sit down, hold still, watch the movement of the mind to watch how it continues to come up with this and then it comes up with that and it pushes that down and pushes this up. <clears throat> and so why? Because uh, what? My response to that is not separate. Look at everything that you think are separate things. It won't, it won't go away, but you see that it's unreal. And when, it, when you see that it's unreal, it becomes more intense because it wants a piece of that ego property. It wants, it wants to reinforce that. Don't fight that either. Don't fight anything. I sometimes say, lose. Lose the war. If you have a war here, lose. Uh, there fundamentally isn't any loser or winner. That kind of polarity is... Unreal. And the last one of the three W's is, uh, I that one. Let's start with the W. Whom? Whom is this? Who? 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 So who is this? Who? Who? Is it who? Yeah, it's who. You? Yeah. Why? Is that the first one? Yeah. Yeah, Why? A little bit, but not very much. Don't spend much time going in circles. About three or four times around the merry-go-round is enough. You can get off and say, what is this? And it's, it's the dirt that the merry-go-round is hooked to. And then who is this? Uh, is, that, is it time to do who, or should we stay with what for a while? Are you going to help me? Huh? Who? Okay, let's do who. Find out. Find out. No, you, I can't do it for you. You can't do it for someone else. 
we, we have to do it ourselves. They're, they're, the very nature of consciousness is without a self. But you have to see it. And, and when you see that, it doesn't mean that the, the apparent self isn't functioning. It may even function even better, the apparent self, because you're, because you're fearless. And when I say you're fearless, I'm not saying you don't have fear. You, somebody can't startle you. I'm talking about that. I'm saying the fundamental understanding is fearless. You can't, there, there are no directions, there are no events, there are no, the causation has become a, a, a dream. Yes, you're born, yes, you're here, but the fundamental reality is not separate. Not separate, and when I say that, this is the teaching of the Buddha. I'm not, I didn't invent this, uh, I just was taught this. And that kind of a teaching eventually is uh, basically, is, uh, you need to find out. There's nothing to believe. If you start believing something, you should say, what is that? Or who believes? That's another self-investigation. Uh, is there a solid being? This is one that leads us into the five links or the five skandhas. Uh, form, feeling, perception, concept, or thinking process that reifies and, and uh, not only clouds everything, but also supports it in a relative way that makes it what propaganda about anything. So it seems necessary to do this with our awareness uh, alone. Not completely alone. We have Sangha or the spiritual community of people who get together and don't lean on each other, but uh, are companions. So it's called Kalyana Mitra. It's a Mahayana word for spiritual friend. It can be the teaching person. It can be your fellow uh, traveler. And... You can do this on the cushion. You can do it uh, at the kitchen sink. You can do it as you're opening your garage door. You can say, who is this? Is there someone there? And that who may echo back as uh, all kinds of different uh, substitutes for what is actually there. As, well, I'm here. Well, me or all the personal pronouns that no one ever called you. No one ever calls you me. No one ever calls you I. You're the only one that uses that. Kind of peculiar, isn't it? I mean, it's something. Why couldn't I say that to somebody and have that work? It just doesn't work. You would get, well, you wouldn't get locked up these days because, yeah, you would, but you'd be in a prison rather than a mental hospital because they don't help people who have mental problems these days other than lock them up. Is that changing at all? Does anyone know? That, no, it's not changing. I'm happy to have, have questions. What is startled? When you said, <clears throat> what is... Uh, the, the consciousness, the matrix that we call me, is just a, a series of, uh, of nerve endings, consciousness, just everything is on receive, smell, taste, touch, hearing, uh, seeing, just, we're just receiving, and that comes together. That's the, the fifth skanda. There's form, feeling, basically, feeling has lots of different dimensions, feeling, Perception, I'm receiving, I'm perceiving you. Uh, concept, uh, routine, your name is a conceptual situation. I don't remember your, your that other name you used to have. What is it? you remember? Keep it to yourself. <laughs> so the startling can happen just by the contrast between your your you're fastened to whatever's occurring either in your mind, thinking about thinking about your grocery list or, or going from the hallway, 
uh, down to the closet to get your boots or something like that. So you're, there's an occupation that's happening in terms of the consciousness and then something comes from nowhere. And that, that's uh, just, it's just nerve endings, but there's no one who's startled. There's just, there is just startled. If you think there's somebody who's startled, then that will have more duration because there'll be somebody there explaining it, being embarrassed by it, uh, being disturbed by it, being irritated with whatever startled you. We'll go in and we'll build it into something else rather than just functioning with, because the startled feeling itself is just startled. Like a, a deer, if you were to start of a deer were out there feeding and you were out and startled a deer, the deer would be startled, but there would be no one there who's startled. There'd be no, I'm a deer. Can't you see that I'm trying to eat? I mean, what's this you know, interrupting me? You know how fidgety I am. And there you go, bringing your clomp, 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 startling me. So there would be no philosophy after it would just be that. It's just that. More about that's a good question. It's not that there, that there isn't some kind of identity that may come up, but it's not necessary. Quite often, anything that happens is followed by some, you know, maybe embarrassment, maybe irritation. Maybe it just depends on how, how your particular karma, your wiring, their causes and conditions, any, any number of different emotions or ideas or conclusions or exclusions can arise. But also, it can be, just be nothing. You described two different functions of why questions, one being circular, why, because, and one investigating cause and effect of something, what Buddha did. Um, are, was one way the why function, quite, are, is there one way that's more skillful than another? You need all of them. It's, it's, the, it's the addition to it. It's the lack of satisfaction over one. It's like the imputation that this isn't enough, I need to know more about that. It's like a maniac detective, ego. I want more. I want. I need to know why. I need to know what this is. Why? So I can get control of it. So I can stop it. So I can turn the volume down. So we need a little bit, but the, that little bit needs to come out of a, an open dimension called egolessness, also called seeing the nature of reality. If you see the nature of reality, your individual identity is even more powerful because it's, not, it's no longer operating out of the hope and fear of ego. So you actually see who you are. You're not separate from anything. It's not some kind of magical realism where suddenly everything becomes very ghost-like. You're realizing you're one with, I'm not talking about a walk in the woods, appreciating the birds. That's, that's a spiritual materialism. That's a, attaching oneself to one's feelings about the, the oneness of nature with everything. Uh, that's, uh, if I may say that very directly, it's bullshit. And you don't need it. You don't need that kind of support. I'm not saying it's not maybe easier in some way. You don't need it. You, you actually, if you're listening to me, you're ready to hear what this is. And I'm telling you, sit down and find out who you are. So there's no doubts. The, the identity may come. It may be really strong sometimes. You may be startled. You may have, you may have a, a jealousy come up. It may go away. But there's no longer a concern with getting rid of anything. So you're no longer a person trying not to be jealous anymore. Don't do that. It's unnecessary. I'm here to help you with that. Who is fearless? There, there is no identity there. It's just fair. There's no, there's nothing to be, there's no, there's no uh, cause and effect happening there. So it, it shows up as fearlessness because we constantly use the idea that I'm afraid of this or I'm afraid of that, or I'm not afraid of this. We're always operating in the polarity of it. So a way of talking about that is to continue to use the polarity 
but there's no philosophy behind it. Well, there's nothing to be afraid of. That would be like, um, there she is. <laughs> we were talking about being afraid of needles. You know, that, that kind of, it's, it's like a developed situation that's based on the feeling of the anticipation, the anticipation of fear, the anticipation of pleasure. Those are the powerful ones. The actual situation is just ho-hum, both of them, if you haven't noticed. Look closely. I'm not saying there isn't intense pleasure in eating uh, lemon meringue pie, but it's not exactly what you thought it was going to be. It doesn't quite live up to it. Or, or maybe uh, if you've been actually present, it might be more enjoyable because there's no expectation happening. You're absolutely, completely, you are that pleasure. You're not someone having that pleasure. Big difference. Hardly noticeable, but big difference. Same thing. You can't find two separate things anywhere. Please look. Spend some time. Sit down. Train your mind. Hold still. Watch what moves. And strengthen the, the ability, you could say, to just be generous, to give your attention to everything that moves without any addition of, I don't like that, uh, or any addition of, I want more of that. Is not separate, but somehow perceived. Paraphrase your question. Yes. <laughs> Is that funny? No, I couldn't figure it out either, so. <laughs> you what? I, I, I... <laughs> He's waiting, so am I. How is not separate perceived? Uh, it's perceived as uh, a very good question. That's why I wanted you to uh, paraphrase it. It gave me some time to kind of. So it's perceived as separation. It's perceived as its opposite. But the separation is no longer a problem. Uh, another way that I, I talk about this is you see the natural boundary, the natural hierarchy of everything. And it's overwhelming. Because you, you, even though you've been looking for who you are and what this is and what to do about life and how to not feel bad or how to get better or how to get people to like you or whatever dynamic you want to take up, how to be, a, in my situation, how to be a great artist was to find out what a terrible artist you are. Give it up. Don't, don't try to be a great artist. I mean, you don't have to. But seeing the natural boundary and this and uh, another word for this is respect. Any kind of implied, uh, a lot of times in the, in the Dharma, there's some kind of, uh, of trying to be a certain way. And some of that needs to occur, like the 16 precepts. But it's about the awareness of that situation, not about following rules of the law. Like my teacher, Kobanchino Roshi, said, you don't uh, take precepts, you observe them. That's the only direct teaching I got from him as far as words. Everything else was uh, um, his uh, avoidance of me which is a very direct teaching. <coughs> Tayo, did you have a question? No, yes. A Jews on from down in the monastery I in Dollar him. Creek? <laughs> he lives in the monastery down south. Yeah. He asks, is... You know what his name is? Jews on. <coughs> yeah, go ahead. Freedom Mountain? Yes. Yeah. Is who, question mark, a more fundamental question than what? Question mark. Yes, it's more of uh, the identity is the is the issue, but uh, it might be good to get there a little, you know, more gradually. But yes, it's more fundamental. The identity is the uh, thinking there's somebody just because of this collection of the of the sense fields, but there, there isn't any. There, there's something, but it's not a separate being. And to realize that is a uh, the traditional word for that is liberation. 
Or if you're a mountain, it's freedom mountain. And it's not freedom from to do from something. It's not freedom to do something. It's fundamental freedom. So therefore, you only need to see that once and then there are no bars on anything. This doesn't mean that you don't see the incredible boundary of everything, just like the boundary of the skin, the, the boundary of walls, the, and the boundary of, uh, of uh, consciousness, the way consciousness functions. So you don't step across any boundary. You don't pollute anything. And you don't uh, teach unless you are asked or given permission. Further questions? Mike? On your uh, previous thought about your teacher, what do you mean by most of the teaching was avoiding you? So his particular, I don't know. I didn't get a chance to ask him, but he wouldn't talk to me. So, but he was my my second teacher, and my first teacher teacher was, of course, Chogyam Trumper and Pache. And then he passed away into it in, uh, in 1987. Then I met Coben in 1990, and didn't realize that I needed another teacher. I kept thinking uh, another teacher. I had a really good I had a Tibetan Lama guru, a Vajra master. So why would I need anybody else? Uh, yeah. So, um, what's your question? I mean, was that a specific element of the teaching, or was he truly avoiding you because there was just too many people for him? Uh, I don't think it was too many people. No, he had plenty of time. He was not. He was not swamped with people particularly. He had probably had a few hundred students at that time, but they were all over the place. Um, but um, yeah, I think he. Uh, if I were to characterize it, I think he could see how full of myself I, how, how arrogant so I was. That was his teaching for me. Huh? That was his yeah, teaching. That was his teaching for me. Is yeah. you know, if you were to say it like you're an idiot, <laughs> took me a while to get that. Now you're full of yourself, and I'm not buying it. Basically, and so made it. It was extremely painful for me at the time. But it's exactly the if you want to say it literally, it's exactly the medication I needed. Meditation I've been doing, but the medication of, uh, of that kind of response was painful. It took me quite a while to even get to the point to ask him to uh, function as my teacher because I really fundamentally didn't think I needed one anymore because I pretty much understood the Dharma. It was still an under it was an understanding. I understand it really well, like some of you probably do. But if you if you see what this is, then you're no longer separate from the Dharma. And seeing that you're no longer separate, you. You are that, and, and, and so much so that uh, when I say fearless, I'm talking about fearless. There's no, uh, there's no longer any death. Nothing dies. If you think you're going to die, this is an illusion because your body will die, of course, but you're not your body. You've said before the people that you met, you uh, mentioned your two teachers as being awake. Well, I'm, I saw them. I met them, yes. But I'm not saying... I never met His, his Holiness the Seventeenth Karmapa, but I'm pretty sure he's he's an enlightened master. It's because I I am I'm just sure of it. As His Holiness the Dalai Lama, I've met him, but um, I'm not I'm not directly not directly a student of his. Not because he's not an enlightened master. I think he probably is, but I met him a long long time ago, in 1990, you know, 1979. Yeah. To me, it seems like you say that, that like you trust that at the time when he was blowing you off, did you think that he was awake? No, no, I, I was, I didn't know. I just thought he was, I, I, I just took a while, but I felt like uh, he could see through me 
he could see that I was uh, full of myself and I was uh, assuming things about myself that were not true, like that I, I didn't know would be so foolish to claim that I was enlightened, but kind of thought I pretty much knew what was happening. Just a matter of time that I would actually be recognized as a great master. You ever have those thoughts? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So there isn't anyone. I'm not saying there isn't something. It's powerful. What there is is actually much more powerful than there being some kind of enlightened being. The Buddha's already done that. Nobody else has to do that. How do you know that in retrospect you see that, how it feels or what Mm -hmm. you trust now that he was awake? How do I know it now? Yeah. <clears throat> because it's the, the, it was uh, painful, and I didn't, uh, didn't do anything with the pain. I stopped making excuses for myself and started. I just stopped. I just continued to do what I could to help people study the Dharma. You said um, Trump was direct with you, but you didn't have that much contact with him. I probably had more, more direct contact. with. Uh, I never had, a, had an interview with Coben. Never get, he wouldn't he wouldn't submit to it. <laughs> but he was an unusual teacher. He's the one I tell the story sometimes of someone that came to him about all their problems and they were just so not at uh, Mexico. He was a very interesting person, Coben. And he was in a he was in an interview with somebody and someone, as the story goes, it's just a story, I wasn't there. But if someone was complaining about their life and everything's terrible and things were lousy and, and he comes in his mind too. He said, I'm having a really terrible time. Uh, Coben said to him, you know, at least this is how the story went. And then Coben got up to, uh, and said, excused himself and went and left the interview and went in another room. And uh, the guy sat there for a while as the story goes and finally didn't know. And he didn't know if he went to the bathroom or went, up and went to this door that he went through and opened it up. And it was a bathroom and the window was open. <laughs> That's Coben. And his, his Dharma name was uh, Cloud Phoenix. So he was very much, uh, he, even in, he even abandoned his teacher. And teacher in Japan didn't want him to leave. And he, but when, uh, when Suzuki Roshi asked him to come over, along with Katagiri Roshi, they both were young men back in the 60s, came over to help, uh, help uh, Suzuki Roshi. What makes him your teacher if you hadn't, if you haven't seen, been with him or received any teachings. I did from receive it. The one, the one that's all I need. not come. Just observe. You hear me say it all the time. Just observe. Don't add, don't subtract, do no math at all, just observe. So that, that was a direct teaching that I got from him. The minute I asked him to be my teacher, that's all I got. And of course, I, I could have been persistent. And, and kind of chased him down a little bit, or I did some, I tried to call him and he would hang up on me. He'd say, I got to get going. That this kind of phone, huh? you remember those? <laughs> hang up. <laughs> you don't do that anymore. So just a different situation. It's just my particular uh, incredible pride and neurosis, self-centeredness. It's very powerful and you don't have to get rid of it. All you have to do is see it. If you see it, you realize it's unreal. You realize everything is unreal. In other words, it's not that it's not there. It is an illusion. It's an illusion. It is impermanent. So it was, it wasn't actually, it was years before I realized who I was 
asking to be my teacher? Um, I don't know how to how to ask this except just to ask. Was that the only teaching you got from him? Well, I'm getting teaching from him now. I'm not saying there's some kind of spirit here. It's the, yeah, it's all the time. Can you expand on that? Because being here and not being here is uh, beside the point. I mean, it's, it's not about somebody being here, being alive, sitting in the room, or or sending me magic rays into my frontal lobe and telling me things. Not separate. The not separation is is without any credentials or any credentials. You can sew all the robes you want. You can wear all the rock suits you want. You can you can wear a crown on your head. This is the Tibetan style is to elevate everything up way up in the air and gild everything and put brocade on everything. And then have the this holiness sit on the top. So it gives you something to it kind of replaces theism, believing in a, a deity. But not completely. It still looks like a made up. Yes. Did you did you read what he has had written and and you're writing it. He gave talks and he wouldn't let anybody publish them. He was So what we read is not what he's necessarily written. Well, no, it's something he gave in a talk that uh, uh, what was uh, Judy? Judy and Joe got together and looked at his, uh, listened to him. And have you ever listened to any of his talks? No. Yeah. Not, yeah. Reading it is their idea of what he said, not what he said. I'm glad you do, because I don't. But we should still study it. What's the name of that book? Embracing Mind? Yeah. It's a good book. We studied it. Uh, as you know, you join. Just see the way you get caught rather than try to fight with them. Just notice, just let it, let it get a hold of you. When I say let, not even that, even that word doesn't work, but feel, actually have the sticky emotion without looking for a rescue or looking for a, uh, some cover to put over it or some kind of explanation. Passion, aggression, and ignorance. The aggression tries to slam something over it. The the passion tries to explain or blame somebody else or blame yourself. Blaming someone else, blaming yourself, not two different things. They're different or they're separated, but they're very, very similar in energy. Uh, we talked about like pride and shame. Pride is the puffed up version and shame is, oh my gosh, what am I doing? What do I think I am? Nobody. I feel so ashamed. So just observe that. Don't change it because if you just observe it, then because uh, the very nature of being a living being is impermanent, so nothing lasts. So even that doesn't will only last about objecting with it, objecting to it, agreeing with it, or ignoring it, shutting it out. Because because fundamentally, uh, you're not separate from that. You're not other than that. Nor are you the same as that. That's why it's difficult because we can't do it with just concepts alone. It seems like observing and um, getting caught in this are so close to one another. They are. You know what I call that? Awareness. Awareness. Yeah. Very good. You, you have to start to get right close to the fire to see how hot it is. But but you, you so you can't sit back and just do it abstractly. Fire is hot. Stay away. Keep the door closed. Keep a squirt gun handy. Yes. Go ahead. So when you are asking us to turn around and look and see who it is that's having those feelings and you see no one, 
there's enough hanging yes. there. Um, I guess my question is what comes first? The unhooking to a feeling. You don't have to unhook. Observing the feeling. Okay. Being watching yourself get caught in there, yeah. thinking that you're observing it. And then you how do you play with that? No so you, so you, if you see, if you're trying to detach or trying to give up or trying to surrender, you're trying to do that, then you're trying to do something that is actually ignoring the way in which you're attached. So you have to act, and it's painful to go in and actually just be the texture and the feeling. of, And then you actually see, if you can see fundamentally every uh, digit that is wrapped around whatever it is you're attached to, you don't have to do anything else. You don't have to detach because it's unreal. But if you see one part of it that is still clinging over here, and that's Tuesday at three o'clock where you ha- or you're hooked onto this situation, that will, what is it, proliferate or that will contaminate the rest of your awareness because why? Not separate. So you have to fundamentally awaken from, from, the, from the inside out. And the only way you can do that is you need to go within and see that there is no one here, no one home. It's not a credential. It's not a celebration. It's just the truth. But you have to see it. And if you if you don't want to do this and do something else, there's a lot. You can't leave here. You can't leave this room. You can't leave any room. It's always now. It's always this moment. Or past and future, what I call the two thens. There's this, and then there's then in the future, and then way back then. Yes. Yes. Wrong person. Different between what is startled and what is seeing what's with it. One is just uh, consciousness, and the other is a is a reaction. Reaction here has to do with nerve endings and and uh, imputation of the belief that we're a that we are a physical form. So that may come and go, and each person's karma relative to the physical manifestation is going to be different. Just like some people are, um, some people are are have lucid dreams all the time, and some people have nightmares. And some people will say that I don't, have, I don't dream at all. Uh, people's uh, consciousness, uh, they're all functioning in different ways. But the more, my understanding is, the more you can sit down and hold still and watch the movement of what comes and goes, thought patterns, emotions, ideas, without interfering, without accepting them, without rejecting them, that's passion and aggression. And without closing off, distracting yourself or ignoring them, the the more you're actually working with your with your true nature, your fundamental nature, which is completely awake. Nothing sleeps. If you think it sleeps, you're wrong. <laughs> no, you'd be all right. You'd be right if you want. Okay. Yes. When you come to the come to the realization that you're not a great artist, why would you continue? Drawing art, making art. Why? Why would you do it? Fine. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, so, so you would be content with? Not content with no. no. Okay, so you would just do sort of, you'd look at that, look what you've done, and you'd say, not very good, but it gave me pleasure doing it. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Then what would you do? I mean, how would you deal with the fact that you're a third-rate potter? I would no, I'm no longer c- c- concluding anything about it. So there's no conclusion of, of I'm a third, I'm, I'm just making things, but the elevation of 
I mean, some artists, I mean, I could uh, talk about that a lot because I spent a lot of time studying art, but some artists, uh, just like uh, uh, some writers, uh, some musicians, some anything, you uh, were born, you know, some people are born with a great voice and some people are not. So there's, there's that kind of thing. Some people are born with a natural understanding of color and light and shape. Some people just have a, an intuition around that. And, uh, and I was born with a little bit, but not a lot. So that caused me to really study it a lot to see, to understand more of what, why is someone like, uh, you know, Picasso to pick somebody that everybody's heard of? Why, why is he so great? What's so great about this work? Uh, and so I, um, many years ago, sat down in front of a painting of his and found out by, by, by what, looking at it, not by reading about it, but just looking at it for hours and hours, same painting over and over again. So, and, and then the understanding that comes about is, uh, I can't do that. That's what can, that's what should, but I can still make things and I still do things. I've got all kinds of graffiti all over your rocks. <laughs> <laughs> so that's done. That's all done. Unless I decide to change your name. <laughs> then, you have to, then she'd have to sew another rock suit. I know, but we want to tell her that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a question regarding the, uh, everything being uh, awake and being startled to come up. I had this experience happening uh, fairly recently. I'm sitting on my sofa at home doing some work on my computer, I look up and everything is awake and looking at me. Inanimate mm -hmm. objects and flowers mm -hmm. and momentary experience of, mm -hmm. uh, it's awake and looking at me and I'm looking at it and I'm startled like, oh my goodness. So mm -hmm. is, that, is, is that really awake? Yeah, until you said, oh my goodness. <laughs> I see. Yeah, oh my goodness is extra. The oh my goodness is the is the ego part. It's threatened by that. But yeah, you're 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 looking at the nature of reality when when you see things looking back at you. Uh, you eventually, you just get used to it. You stop being afraid of it. You stop. You just you just it's it's ordinary. It's called uh, in Tibetan. It's called tamogeshepa uh, uh, or ordinary mind. But it, it's not something that's going to be handed to you necessarily. It needs to be. Some work done on it, and everyone is different. Some people, some people, it happens. Some people, it happens, and they it's too frightening, so they go away and they never practice again because it, it doesn't stay. I mean, it, it, it doesn't mm -hmm. stay in that mode, mm -hmm. but it was again startling, and I and then I'm wondering who 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 is being startled, and nobody. No, there isn't anyone. There's just, and you just, this is a temporary, uh, this is on loan. It's, it's, you know, you could say it that way, just a very relative, but it's on loan. It's just a, it's a, it's a transcendental pragmatism that sees what this is. It fundamentally sees what this is. And it's, it makes it extremely solid and extremely uh, uh, transparent. You see through everything. So there's, there's no, if there's, if there's no, uh, if there's no grasper, then there's nothing to grasp. If there's nothing to grasp, then there's no grasper. This is transcending the, the duality of, of, of me and everything else, or you and everything else. This happens through uh, the teaching person. 
and the person who is trying to understand the teachings and going on for, and not only in the Buddhist tradition, but in other traditions, tradition of Ramana Maharshi and the Sargadatta Maharaj, or uh, indigenous people have a similar kind of situation happening there with be, uh, not being separate from anything. Their, their culture actually supports it the same way when the Buddha was born 2,500 years ago, he was born into a culture that respected the spiritual path. And, and that's why that he, could go, he and his monks could go out and beg and they would be, people would be happy to help them because they were doing something while uh, they couldn't stop whatever farming or buying and selling things. Or they, they needed to do that, whereas other people were practicing the spiritual path. So they supported them. But yeah, so the idea there is we, we tend to cling to that. But the oh my goodness part is the, that's, uh, that's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Welcome. There's a question on YouTube mm -hmm. from Carl Greaves in the UK. Okay. He says, if you are not separate from everything, how is, it, how is that not the same as being all one? Well, let me have... <clears throat> may have a, a similar saying not separate uh, helps us look at the at the, all the pieces uh, whereas we're saying we're all one is more of a self-centered that resonates with this the, the self-centeredness we call the ego mind or the, the seventh consciousness in the yoga chara tradition so to say that it, it's like the investigation stops but we're all one when uh, you say yeah i'd say we're all one everybody's on a spiritual path we're all going the same way Shall I say it again? Bullshit. Don't do it. Don't, don't go there. Look at the separation. Don't go to some kind of conclusion about the separation because this ego wants that territory. It wants to claim the knowledge that it knows. If you, if you think you know, if you think you're awake, if you think you're enlightened, you're probably fooling yourself. You had um, an earlier comment, but I could probably make it a question for No, I want the comment. Okay. You say that we shouldn't come to conclusions, but surely thinking life is suffering is coming to a conclusion. Okay, so the reason I say that is uh, uh, I know you can't help but come to conclusions. So I say, don't come to conclusions. What will that cause? It'll cause you to look at the way you conclude. It's just a way of teaching. I can't help it. It's like saying, don't feel bad. Yeah, good luck. Don't feel bad. Everything's going to be okay. It isn't going to be okay. Is that now I'm going the other direction? Think, you know, the Buddha, uh, people criticize uh, the Buddha as he's a nihilist. No, he wasn't a nihilist, he was a realist. He saw suffering and he pointed it out. So, so I would say to this uh, person, uh, what, what was his name again? Carl? Carl? Yeah, I think there's another one that came in. And From him? Different guy or person. Girl. Well, I don't know. Cam, Cam Carr. I'm not. Cam? From Minnesota. Cam from Minnesota. Hey, Cam. Um, what up? Noticing the certainty of impermanence, does that which witnesses change, change and is that a muscle that develops in the body? I don't know. Noticing the certainty of impermanence, does that which witnesses change, change and is that a muscle? If you buy continually practicing sometimes i use the image of a muscle it's like the awareness tends to start to get stronger than the conceptual 
idea of coming to conclusions, coming to exclusions or opinions and ideas. And that awareness starts to be more willing to live in an open dimension where the ego isn't really sure what's going on. It doesn't need that kind of uh, security. Uh, there's a book title, I think it's by Pema, uh, The Wisdom of Insecurity. Uh, there's, there's that insecurity doesn't feel very good, but it's uh, it's a sign that there's openness there and the insecurity is coming from the, the desire of the ego to have some kind of strength and belief in something. And we have to know what's right, what's wrong and all kinds of things like that. And so you don't need that. You can live without any conclusions. So the reason I would point that out would be, uh, well, I don't know, you look at it. Other questions? Just an, um, you yeah. brought up Pema Chodron. Yeah. I was curious, do you have a, um, well, she um, is stepping down from Shambhala because yeah. of supposedly the Sakyam yeah. coming back. Do you, are you supportive of that? Or do you have any ideas about her doing that? Well, I'm not sure what you're asking me. I've got ideas about things. I don't know anything about well, I, yeah. I hesitate to say the word opinion, but what do you have You could say that. Okay, do you have an opinion? No. No, and the reason I'm not I'm being really disrespectful to her or to anybody, if I can, if I can say it this way, but the, the causes and conditions that arise in that area are, are totally obliterated when you buy into right and wrong. I'm not saying that somebody wasn't really disrespectful of people. That's I've been accused of that. So I'm, just, I'm not letting him off the hook or her off the hook. Like, why did she wait so long? I mean, you could say that. But I'm not even going to say that because I don't really know. I don't know what it's like to be her. I don't know what it's like to be him. But the karma that he inherited was really, really difficult. Look who he had to live up to. His dad was my, my he was my guru. I can't say it any other way. He, wasn't, he was my Dharma teacher, but he, but he functioned as a guru for me. Coben did not. So it's just, um, I don't know. I don't have any solution or any, any, I don't come to a particular conclusion about that other than this. It's, Hurts, hurts here, hurts here, hurts here. Hurts to look at uh, everything going through that uh, type of situation, but that's also unreal. So, we'll see what, see what uh, how things uh, show up. I have no idea. Yes. A question about um, that idea of receiving teachings from someone who's not in your presence. So, um, so I sometimes go through the day and I have a thought or. A, question or issue and I think of what you might tell me um, how how can I know if I'm, if I'm making that up or if that's just my own narcissism does, does, does not matter okay. say if you it, it, it doesn't matter it's, we're not separate we're not fundamentally not separate and I'm not asking you to believe that but you could consider that consider it we don't have to believe it and, and shut down on uh, to actually look at the feeling of separation. Uh, look at the separation rather than try to smush everything all together. So there's no way to, to know. But a way I could present it this way, I could say, say at two o'clock, uh, you were thinking about what I might say. You know, and that, that's a good idea to do that. If you're functioning as my student, which you are, it's a good idea. Because I, I could have died at noon. You wouldn't even know about it, but you'd still be considering what I said. Yeah. So I'm not going to die at noon, 5, 3, 6 o'clock maybe. <laughs> so I'm just saying that 
that kind of thing is a creates a that's a reinforces the separation, the, the reinforces the the, the 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 idea about separating from things, rather than seeing that nothing is separate. And how do you do that? You look at the separation, the actual separation, which is uh, in your mind. Identification with the body, of course, sitting in front of the teacher or sitting with Sangha or something is uh, uh, shows us that we have that contrast of we're separate and now we're back together and we're separate and now we're back together. So that, that happens, but it doesn't have to be, you don't have to come to a conclusion about it. And if you do come to conclusions, then don't, don't come to a conclusion about the conclusions. I'm glad I was able to help you. So looking at this, looking at this reinforces the separation. Is that what you're saying? And when I'm sitting and you're not right there, that uh, eases the separation. Or I didn't say that. Okay, so I need to say it again one more time. What reinforces the separation? Thinking there's togetherness. Okay. That worked for everybody. Feeling <laughs> <laughs> open perception. Uh, is there, and between the two bands, is there time? Does time exist? In terms of the body-mind situation, yes. There's a there's a, a thing, something that shows up and starts to disintegrate, called the body. The body. We were born, and we start to, as we we know from our memory, our experience. And we, we move along and then we eventually go back into the elements from which we came. But who we are fundamentally uh, doesn't go anywhere, doesn't do anything, isn't anything in particular. And when one begins, what was that? Comes in, goes out. Actually, that's that's the illusion part. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's unreal. It's because of the nerve endings, it seems like this is substantial. So that's why we train with our body, sit down, you can't find a mind. Uh, particularly, but you can find the body. So, and the body mind are not two different things. The consciousness is is this form, and then uh, then the consciousness dissolves. The me feeling dissolves. The memories dissolve. Everything dissolves. But who you are can't go anywhere. It's never come in. The traditional way of saying it is it's unborn and unborn and unceasing with a nature like the sky. So you are that. You don't have to try to be that. We don't have to do. We don't have to come to any conclusion about anything, as is said in uh, uh, other traditions. Uh, what is what is uh, what is real is not threatened. What is what is fundamentally the truth uh, is not in danger of anything. This is why there's a uh, the way Trungpa Rinpoche taught this is basic goodness. Everything is basically good. There's no opposite basically evil situation happening. Time to end. Does everybody want to end? Okay. Thank you.